Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Frequent Criers Club podcast. My name is Grace, and I'm joined today by the absolutely amazing Julia. Hi, everybody. Today's episode is about toxic productivity. We're going to talk about imposter syndrome, being versus doing, and how to be more mindful and present in your life so that you can overcome toxic productivity. Thank you so much for listening, and if you get a chance, please give us some feedback. We really appreciate hearing from you on how we can improve, and if you can, leave us a review on Apple because that really helps us out. Thank you so much, and let's get into the episode. Okay, let's get started. So, Julia, how did your Try Something New for this week go? So, it went well. So, the two Try Something News that you gave me last week were, one, to apologize to myself when I said something rude or had negative self-talk, and the second was to try or to have a physical rather than aesthetic goal. So, for the first one, apologizing to myself, that was, like I said, something that I already kind of did. But it was something that I tried to double down on and tried to be a lot more direct with and attentive to because I find sometimes when I'm, especially when I get busy, I let things slip. So I was trying really to double down on that. And I definitely noticed that when I apologize to myself and recognize when I'm being mean to myself, then the instances of me being mean to myself are kind of diminish. So that was great. And then the second one was my physical goal and that was to be more flexible. Uh, because my hips and legs crack all the time. So when I'm doing workouts, <laughs> they're just popping everywhere. So I was trying to work on my kind of hip and leg flexibility. I don't know if that's it's probably just probably just hips. But yeah, so I tried to work on that. That was kind of fun because I picked workouts that or kind of stretch routines that aligned with that. Yeah, and it was something new to work towards and try. I love that. So your try something new for me and everyone else last week was to try a workout from a new YouTuber or sort of fitness influencer that aligns with our values. And so you actually recommended a yoga routine for me to try this morning um, by Jessamine Stanley on YouTube. And I tried that yoga routine out and I really loved it. She's so awesome. If you haven't heard of her. She is a yoga instructor, but she's also a body positivity activist. She has a really good website, a really good Instagram. I would highly recommend. Definitely. Okay, perfect. So should we get into it? Let's get into it. Let's get into the nitty gritty. Okay. So let's talk about toxic productivity. What is it, Julia? Run it down. Uh, Let me tell you. So toxic productivity essentially is valuing your productivity, wealth, achievements, etc. above everything else. And this is often to the detriment of your mental and emotional health. And that is the definition, rough definition that a lot of psychologists give it. But that is specifically from Dr. Joan Barron, which we'll link in the description of this episode. But essentially, some signs of toxic productivity are that you're always busy or you're always working, you have unrealistic expectations, and you feel like you aren't doing enough, even when you most definitely are, and you find it difficult to relax. And I'm sure a lot of you are listening to this and, 
you know, finding it quite relatable. Me. That is yeah. me. Yeah. That's both of us for sure. It's all of my friends. It's every single university student that I've ever met, to be honest with you. So I can't even tell you how often I'll walk into back when COVID was not a thing, walking into Taylor Library or, you know, the library at school and seeing our friends and it would it'd be like I haven't seen someone for a month and hey, how are you? And it's always, oh, I'm so busy. I have this assignment. I have this test. I have this exam I'm studying for. It's just like this like baseline level of stress for university students. Yeah, for sure. And it's almost a spectrum because, yeah, you might have heard that list and not identified with every single point on it, but I'm sure there are certain points that you identify with because the nature of being a university student, the nature of being an employee, especially if you have like family matters that you need to deal with, is that you are quite frequently really busy and you are working a lot. And I think that all feeds into kind of like we talked about in the previous episode, but from a different perspective, is the culture of comparison that you go, yeah, like you said, you go into Taylor and you talk to your friends, hey, how are you? And they're talking about how busy they are. And then you say, oh, I'm so busy too. I have this and I have this and I slept six hours last night. I slept four hours last night. You know, people are going back and forth, almost competing to see who can be the busiest. Yeah. But but what do you, but what do you get? Who what's, wins? What's the achievement? Yeah, who wins? What's the prize? You know, no one is winning. So I think exactly. <laughs> and when we're all competing against ourselves in that way, then it just perpetuates how toxic kind of the structure of our education system and the structure of our like workplaces are because everybody is just striving to, you know, grind doesn't stop, hustle life, whatever. Like. <laughs> can't sleep rise and grind rise and grind exactly (laughs) rise and grind grind doesn't stop um it's a little gross it's a little gross and I think to I guess come from sort of a university student perspective we're told hard work will lead us to happiness because we're told that if we're if we're working hard and you know we study eight hours every single day, we're going to get a really super great grade on our exams. And we're going to end up, you know, getting into the grad school we want or med school or whatever our passion is, we assume that really hard work will get us there. And so therefore, we equate Mm -hmm. that hard work to happiness, that happiness that we'll feel at the end of the road. But the problem is that quote, unquote, hard work that you're doing is such an unhealthy and unhappy way to live. Exactly. And I think a lot of people don't realize it or maybe didn't realize it until the pandemic. This is something that I've talked a lot about with some of my friends is that when the pandemic hit and they were forced to slow down, maybe their summer jobs got canceled or their courses finished early. I think a lot of people felt some sort of, I guess, a bit of a void that they felt like they didn't know what to do with themselves and they recognized how much of their value or their, uh, yeah, I guess the way that they value their self is based on themselves as a student or as mm-hmm. an employee, right? Rather than recognizing that mm-hmm. you have intrinsic value as a person, right? You are valuable. So I think a lot of my friends, uh, one, recognized how much dependence that they place on their role or themselves in those roles 
but they also recognized the difference in how they felt during COVID compared to during university and working part-time or working in the summer. When they took a break, they really recognized how different it, and myself included, how different it felt to work in breaks and to have free time, both mentally and physically. For sure. And I think this, that sort of reminds me of a quote, and I will not take credit from this at all. It's a beautiful quote. It's from Annabelle Grigg in from the Oxford student. And we'll link that in the description as well. But although it may seem like the virus has completely destroyed how we get things done and grind, maybe it is time to consider if our work habits were already broken. So pre-pandemic, we were all in this grinding and as university students, right, going to the library right after class until 9 p.m. some nights, 10 p.m. some nights, um, staying up till 1 a.m., grinding out assignments and, and trying to finish things up or studying for the exam that you're you're stressed about. But and then when you get into the when you get into the pandemic, it's this productivity and working in that way has never been so hard. And it's sort of impossible to, to work in that way, right? Because we don't have the library anymore. We don't have cafes that can feed us cups of coffee until 2 a.m. Exactly. We don't have that anymore. So now maybe it's time to look back on that and reflect on that and ask yourself, did that truly bring me happiness? For sure. So building off of what you just said, I think your point about us not having access to those facilities like libraries and cafes or even your physical workplace if you're an employee is really important because all of a sudden our desks become our library slash office slash where we talk to our friends Mm. and that definitely has ramifications on the boundaries that we set. What I noticed this year, specifically being a student working on online university, Mm. is that before I would go to the library and I would work and I would come home and I would have that separation that I made myself dinner and now I'm home for the night, I'm in my room or I'm going out or whatever and now this is my time to relax and to rejuvenate myself. Whereas during online school when I was working constantly in my room I feel like those lines get blurred because you can maybe push yourself to just work a little bit longer or a little bit harder Mm -hmm. or to work yeah honestly you have the resources to work literally 24 7 if you wanted to and I think that's why it's really important to make an effort to set boundaries when you're working from home or when you're doing school from home Absolutely. I think especially as people who are so busy, if you don't work in the time to relax properly and fully, then you are not going to feel well rested. You are not going to feel motivated. You're really going to notice the ramifications on the work that you are trying to do the next day or the next week. Absolutely. And another thing I wanted to bring up was the dichotomy of being and doing. So Doing and being modes are terms that are often referred to in MBCT, which is mindfulness-based cognitive therapy. And essentially, the doing mode identifies your current state, your destination slash desired outcome, and then the outcome that you want to avoid. And it identifies the gaps between, say, where you want to be, where you presently are, and it has the goal in focus. So it's constantly either thinking about the past or looking towards the future and focusing primarily on your goals. 
And there is another mode called being, which just involves simply being present, recognizing that your thoughts are mental events, they're not facts, and it looks at the broader picture of what's going on in your life, not just your goals. And the reason I want to bring this up is because it's so important to find a balance between these two states. Obviously, both are incredibly essential. There are times when you need to work towards your goals mm. um, to progress in, per se, your personal or your career life. Mm-hmm. But also to have to be both physically and mentally healthy, you need to also balance that with the being state. You need to give yourself time to check in with yourself and to focus on and to be in the present moment. That is absolutely stunning. Yeah. And I, I actually was thinking earlier about my own personal experiences and that being and doing thing is so important and, and a balance is so important because I was thinking about a, a specific experience from university and in first year, this was a particular demon of mine for lack of a better word but I would feel stressed and unhappy if I didn't study from after class to 10 p.m every night and I would let how much I got done in a day impact how I felt about myself if I didn't check everything off of my to-do list I felt like I was wasting my time I was being lazy Um, I wasn't going to be able to achieve the good grades and the goals that I had for myself. And the thing about being, I was not living in the moment at all. Because even if I was doing something like sitting with my housemates in second year, for example, sitting, sitting in the couch and just, and just chatting or, you know, watching a TV show for 20 minutes, instead of being present in that moment, I was sitting there. In, and in my brain, I was thinking about all of the things on my to-do list for the day mm-hmm. that I hadn't done yet. And I couldn't just sit there and enjoy a 30-minute conversation with my with my roommates, whom I love. I couldn't just do that. I was sitting there thinking, oh, my Lord, you're wasting 30 minutes right now. You've been sitting here for 15 minutes and you could have been upstairs. You know, you could have started on your work already for the day. Exactly. Well, that was a beautiful segue. Was it? <laughs> I, think, I think so. Um, so we asked some questions on the poll on our Instagram, which is Frequent Criers Club Pod, if you're not following. And the, one of the questions we asked was, do you feel bad about yourself slash guilty when you aren't being productive? And part of the reason why we're speaking about our experiences saying they're so common is because 93% of you said yes and 7% said no, which is quite a big difference Huge. I would say and can I quickly say yeah. thank you to everyone who answered who answered the polls yeah that was so awesome me and Julia were so excited Made us so excited yeah and and we actually got I think over a hundred responses for our first poll which is pretty good I would say and yeah 93 yeah. percent said that they shared these same same feelings of guilt and self-hatred when they aren't doing work or aren't being quote-unquote productive exactly and one of the reasons we asked this question and wanted to bring it up is because we wanted to point out how common this feeling is it which i'm sure i'm sure you guys recognize i'm sure you see it in yourself but maybe you don't recognize that you know everybody else is or a lot of other people are experiencing this as well and i think the fact 
that so many of us are experiencing this feeling really speaks to the an issue at a systemic level rather than an issue at an individual mm. level. This is not, it's not because you don't know how to set boundaries or you don't know how to function properly as a student. Really, like you are, maybe you do need to work on those areas, but really for the most part, it is the society that we live in. We Absolutely. <laughs> we live in a capitalist society. The goal is everybody's working towards a career or for the most part, that's what we're told to stream to like streamline ourselves to a career. And I think we're always told to have goals, whether they be academic or career-wise. And I think having those goals in our quote-unquote doing state results in us always feeling like we need to be getting closer Mm. to them and achieving them. So for that reason, we don't feel like we can give ourselves time to rest or we don't feel like we can give ourselves time to rest guilt-free. Totally. But honestly, if you are going to actually rest you can't have any, you need to remove the guilt from the situation. Oh, for sure. Because then you're not, maybe you're physically resting, maybe you're physically sitting in front of your TV and you're watching a show, but mentally you're still, you're still running through your to-do list exactly like you just said. And therefore it's not rest. Totally. It's not rejuvenating. No. And that, that is such a good point. And I think Julia, me and you had this conversation a few months ago, but you, you and I were talking, it was exam season for us. And you and I were talking about how sometimes we're on walks and we're just trying to enjoy our walk and like listen to a podcast. Yet yes. there is a hundred things going through our brain and we blank out. We fully blank out of a podcast for five minutes. Like I won't, I won't know what has been said for the last five minutes because I've had my own crap playing in my mind about oh my gosh, you need to do this when you get home. You forgot to unload the dishwasher. You need to do this. You need to do this. Yeah. And it's like, you can't even enjoy a break. Come on. Come on. Exactly. Or how many times have you been speaking to somebody and you notice that they're talking and you're not listening to them? Yup. In your head, you're thinking, you're maybe you're thinking about a project you have to do. Or yeah, you're mm-hmm. thinking about your to-do list. And that, yeah, that has ramifications. Again, like we said, on your the amount of relaxation that you get, but also on your relationship with those people. Absolutely. Now that we are talking about this, I'm sure you guys have recognized this before, but take this as a little reminder to try to really check in to your relaxation time. If you are giving yourself time to relax, don't try to half-ass it. Don't try to be doing work while you're relaxing. Just quote unquote, like full send, full send on the relaxation. (laughs) Um, full send on your conversations. Just, just try to switch from your doing mode into your being mode. One of my favorite, uh, little, I guess, mantras to think of is to be where my feet are. So that's Mm. really the way I, yeah, the way I think of it is that if I'm standing there talking, if I'm standing somewhere talking to my mom, or if I'm standing here talking to Grace, I should be where my feet are, which is right in front of that person that I'm engaging with, not thinking of my to-do list, or if I'm doing work, I should be where my feet are, doing work, staying focused on the task, not getting distracted. You know, it really just kind of speaks to being present in the moment and really trying to give you for your full attention to the task at hand. Stunning. Love that. I want to ask you, Julia, what is Mm -hmm. your sort of personal experience with toxic productivity because I talked a little bit about mine so yeah so (laughs) 
I joke to people that I learned how to relax this year, this year being 2021, because I spent so much time in my life kind of identifying myself as somebody who was really hardworking and intelligent. And basically I really identified myself as a student and I really valued myself mm. based on my intelligence and my work ethic. So particularly through high school, I felt like I had to put so much work in. Obviously, yeah, I did take breaks. I went out and did things with friends, but I was stressed so much about work and school. I constantly felt like if I wasn't doing work that I wasn't doing enough or I would you know, go to school, come home from school, I would take a quick break and then I would do work and then I would eat dinner and then I would watch a show, say with my parents and I would do some light work while we were watching. So basically I would just keep going. And it wasn't until I got a concussion last semester and I literally couldn't do that anymore, that I had to take breaks. I couldn't, I could work for maybe mm -hmm. 15 minutes at a time and then I had to take a break. I recognized how important it was for my physical health to take breaks mm -hmm. and also I recognized how much better my sleep got how much better my mental health was when I took breaks like I, I, yeah I was saying to people like wow this is, this is this is literally so much fun like I can do what I want in the evening instead of just you know forcing myself to do work that doesn't need to be done in this moment so I think now I've gotten to the point where I've tried really hard to set boundaries with myself so I for example when I was working um, at school I would work maybe until 5 or 5 30 and after that time that was just my time to relax maybe do a workout make dinner just and then I would take the night to myself whatever I was doing and obviously some points maybe during exam season mm -hmm. you do need to break that but I would make a conscious effort to allocate myself time to relax or just to do whatever task I wanted to do. And yeah, I noticed really big differences. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, wow, that sounds like me, I would, I would really recommend even starting small and maybe identifying an hour in the evening or an hour in the middle of the day that you were just going to set aside to do something for you. And you're going to check out of all your productivity for the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah check the fuck out <laughs> yeah but I did want to I did want to ask and this is sort of um this may, might be more of an, a, a topic we can expand on in later episodes but I think what what I'm what I'm getting from you is you're saying that you've you identified yourself as a student mm -hmm. and I think I really felt the same way in myself but the thing is I felt like an imposter oh I struggled with imposter syndrome which I'm sure many many people have heard of and actually my my lovely housemate Angie was the person who introduced me to this concept a few years back but essentially imposter syndrome is feeling like you are you don't belong where you are and everybody else perceives you as smarter or more hardworking than you actually are. Yeah. It's a feeling of, I do not deserve to be here. And I can't tell you how much I felt that feeling throughout university in first year and second yeah. year, especially in third year. I sort of, I think COVID really hit me and, you know, helped me buckle down a little bit, sort of similar, similar for you. But imposter syndrome is one of those things that I think really pushes people to be 
productive in a way that's super toxic because you feel like so strongly that you do not deserve to be where you are. And that's a terrible feeling. And all you want to do is make sure that you stay in this place and that you meet these expectations of others, which really don't even exist, right? You think that everybody has these expectations of you. But the thing is, nobody's really thinking about you. Like all my other classmates in first year weren't looking at me and and being like, wow, like she doesn't deserve Mm -hmm. to be here or is she smart enough to be here? No one else was thinking that. Everybody else was wondering how how they were going to pass our bio exam as well. Do you know what I'm saying? Like nobody, it's an invisible audience that I felt um, was sort of had their eyes on me. And it made that feeling of I don't deserve to be here so much worse. I think that's a really good point and something that I didn't really think about the idea that you believing that other people perceive you a certain way will encourage you to work even harder and achieve and meet those expectations, which I think I've never thought of it that way. Mm-hmm. So Grace and I are both orientation leaders at Western, which essentially is we are matched with first year students and we're supposed to I guess we essentially work in a, in a mentorship role, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I always tell my first year students is that they might look around and it might seem like everybody has their stuff together, but they don't. They really don't. Everybody's struggling, but people just don't talk about it. That It kind of goes back to that, like, nobody wants, yeah, the imposter syndrome. Nobody wants to make it seem like they're weak or they're not doing well enough. No one. Everybody is trying to... May, yeah, honestly portray an image that they have their stuff together when a lot of the times they don't. Everybody is making mistakes. Everybody's getting back grades that they're not happy with. It is most definitely not you. And this may be something that you want to talk to your friends about or you want to find kind of common ground with because it definitely really helps to identify that totally other people are struggling too and you're not just surrounded by other students who deserve to be there and you're the odd one that somehow sneaked past the admissions, right? If you were there, you deserve to be there. Mm -hmm. You do. Oh, totally. I agree. And so would you say, because this is interesting, this is something I didn't, I didn't realize, I didn't think we were different in this sense, but would you say that your toxic productivity stems from some, something different than my toxic, toxic productivity Mm. stems from? See, like did you believe that you deserve to be there did you ever feel doubtful of your own abilities or was it just that you placed the value on your intelligence and grades so much that you I'm gonna sound like a bit of a dick I feel like this is interesting so essentially I have always been one of those people who is very confident in my abilities I love that I think that's such a healthy way to like think about yourself. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like that idea. This is like, this is unrelated, but it's sort of the idea of like hotness is a mindset. Well, yeah, being hot is a state of mind, baby. Being smart is a state of mind too. Obviously you are smart, but it's like, that is something that it's like, yeah, if if you tell yourself that you're stupid or don't deserve to be somewhere enough times, you're actually going to believe that and you're going to start to like actually feel that way. But if you're saying to yourself, yeah, I deserve to be here. I belong here. I'm smart. I'm fucking smarter than everyone in this room. Damn it. Like you're going to like believe those things and you're going to sort of go in with that confidence. Mm -hmm. 
and yeah so that's interesting that is really interesting and that's a new that's a new learning for me that we have toxic productivity stemming from different places yeah and ultimately what it does come down to for everyone what it truly Mm -hmm. stems from is the fact that we live in a capitalist society that praises making that cash money above everything else and be a go-getter and get that bread you know get that money so that you can buy yourself everything that you want and because buying things is what's going to make you happy etc etc I think that it was really interesting when we did the poll on the Instagram because we asked what people define as successful. What do they define success as? And we got some very interesting responses. Uh, One of the most common responses or a few of the most common responses were happiness, being proud, and satisfaction. Those were probably the biggest three that we got. Would you say that's right? I would say that's right. And I think one, we, we got a lot that were sort of related to comfort and mm-hmm. a lot that were sort of related to reaching goals, reaching your own goals that you've set for yourself, which yeah. I think could be associated with a, that's a productive mindset, I would say, not necessarily toxic productivity, but I do think that is oriented towards you want to see your hard work pay off type of thing exactly one of the one of the messages that I screenshotted obviously not gonna read names no um but one of the messages that I thought was really interesting was as a response to what's your idea of success reaching goals always working towards something the work never stops and the part of that message that I really wanted to highlight was the idea that the work never stops, that Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, when we asked, what is your idea of success? People, we, I saw the word always a lot, which I thought was interesting interesting because I saw a lot of, I will always be happy. I will always be stress-free. And I know, I know your people aren't writing it and expecting to always be happy. Right. But I think the interesting thing contrasting this message this message to the messages about happiness and satisfaction is that I think a lot of people when they're picturing success they're picturing some final state where yeah. they have kind of they've made it to the peak they've done all this work they've um no <laughs> no the climb by Miley Cyrus yes. <laughs> it's climb. but you've reached it <laughs> okay but basically it feels like you've reached some essentially some like idyllic mm. goal yeah or some kind of post you know post stress mm. life yeah but you're always going to have stress in your life you're always going to have challenges if you didn't the happy moments wouldn't feel as happy as they do totally so i just kind of like where am i going with this but basically i think it's really interesting that somebody would say the work never stops because i think one of what I wrote as my answer to this question was happiness often, satisfaction often, and lots of people I love in my life. Yes. And that is because I want to be working towards a state, much like everybody else, where I have happiness and satisfaction in my life. But I do recognize that the work doesn't stop. I just want to tailor 
my life and my I guess my habits to accommodate that better I want to get to a state where I'm dealing with my workload better I am saying no to things that don't make me happy that don't satisfy me um, and really trying to tailor my life in a way that would will give me more happiness and satisfaction. For sure. For sure. And that is a really interesting nuance there with the always. And I, I think something that I feel is important to note is that no one answered money. No one answered financial True. success. But there is there is something I want to... There are people who see it that way. There's definitely people who see it that way. And in, in some ways, I do believe financial, having financial means is important. And mm-hmm. in this society, it is important because you do need money to live a comfortable life. You need a yeah. reasonable amount of money to live a comfortable life. And, you know, it's better to, to not have money as a worry because obviously it is a profound worry for people. But I think that it was interesting that no one explicitly said money. And I wonder if that is a little bit because maybe our, maybe in the grand scheme of things, people are like, oh, you should care about more than just money, right? But mm-hmm. for me, and I think probably for a lot of our followers and listeners, money actually just isn't the ultimate thing that you see as being the key to success in life. And yeah, I don't know. I, I thought I thought that was interesting that nobody said money. Well, further to that point, I want to bring up the concept of well-being contingencies okay. and happiness contingencies. Oh, yeah. Because yep, yep, yep. I think a lot of people... <laughs> I'm not trying to roast anybody. I'm really... I'm not. I feel this, this exact same way. But I think a lot of people put their... What their idea of success is as happiness... Or, um, or satisfaction. But I just want you to take a second and think of what will make you happy or mm. what will make you satisfied. Because maybe nobody directly wrote money, but I think a lot of people are picturing money in their oh, for sure. future happy, satisfied life. For sure. You know? And I want to bring up well-being contingencies and happiness contingencies, which is essentially the... I can't be happy until I will not start living yep. my life until. Mm-hmm. And maybe for you, that's med school or until you graduate undergrad or until you, I don't know, get a boyfriend or have a certain group of friends, whatever it is. I think a lot of people are constantly looking towards the future and saying, my idea of success is when I'm happy. But I think it's really important to look at your life now and think, how can I incorporate more of what's going to make me happy now, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than constant, rather than identifying your future as a state of happiness, and I'm sure not everybody is thinking this way, but that definitely is something that I was looking at. That yeah, like you said, nobody said money, but I'm sure if you were living in your future life and you were completely broke, yeah. I think that would make you a lot. That would really make you pretty unhappy from your happiness, yeah. right? Because yeah. that's just a society we live in that you need money to succeed, to feed For yourself, sure. to live, right? So I think sure. it is important to recognize the contingencies that you have and to identify how you can overcome them or how you can 
focus your energy on your life right now rather than constantly planning for your future. Can I say though, I do think that that is partly a symptom of the society that we live in. Because if you think about the way that retirement is structured, right? Yeah, you work, you, you grind, you grind from nine to five, you know, 50 weeks out of a year and you go, you go get Mm -hmm. it, you get that bread and then you can retire when you're 65, 70. And you know, when you're old and and bony and you know, it's harder for you to walk (laughs) and run around places, then you can go be happy and do all the things you want. Then it's a carefree life. You can relax. Now's the time. And I think the reason that we build these well-being contingencies for ourselves and these happiness contingencies for ourselves is because of the society that we live in, which fully, yeah. it's it lays it out for us like that. Oh, exactly. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. It's not, <laughs> not trying to criticize anybody, not trying to say that it's abnormal. I think we all have them. Oh, for sure. I, But I do think that... Once I noticed the fact that I was placing my happiness or my well-being on, on, I guess, external sources, I recognized that there was a problem in that, right? For because sure. I have no control over external sources. I only have control over myself. Mm. And yeah, you're not going to be happy. I'm not going to be happy all the time or I'm not going to be satisfied or productive or whatever I want to be all the time. But... I think it's just important to recognize like how much control you have over yourself yeah and the things that you choose to do for or sure the way you choose to react to a situation that's very true yeah. okay so we are going to get started with our try something news for this week grace do you want to kick us off i would love to so my try something new for this week is if you are busy right now, if you're working, if you're if you have a summer job or a course, I really recommend using the Pomodoro technique. I introduced it to Julia earlier this year and she mm-hmm. loved it. I'm sure she could touch Incredible. on that. But basically you study for study your work for 25 minutes and then you take a five minute break and then you study for another 25 minutes, five minute break. And you just repeat that four times and then you take one longer 15 to 30 minute break. You can look it up online. It's a whole thing and that can be better explained by someone else, I'm sure. But there's apps for it. You can do it on your computer, your phone. You can just literally set an egg timer on your desk and do it yourself. And I really like it because it just it's really easy to tell yourself, okay, I can sit down and do 25 minutes of work. It's easier to set yourself up to do a shorter amount of time rather than sitting down and saying, okay, I need to do three hours of work right now. So I would recommend trying the Pomodoro technique. Yeah, exactly. And you can always adapt it to, I think the main takeaway from the Pomodoro technique is to incorporate breaks to, to avoid working for really long, continuous periods of time. Because if you really pay attention, your work ethic does diminish. Oh, for sure. So yeah, so my try something new for this week is a little bit cheesy, but something that I've started doing is little writing little mantras or I guess notes to myself on sticky notes and then putting them on places that I see them often. So I put one on my mirror 
and the one that I have on my mirror right now says love yourself enough to relax. Mm. That's not something that I came up with. That's from a book called Journey to the Heart, which is full of really, I guess, small, sorry, short, thought-provoking little meditations for each day. But what I think is really important about the saying love yourself enough to relax or even you can't pour from an empty cup, like any saying like that, um, it just reminds you that you are more important than the things that you have on your to-do list, right? That you need to take care of yourself before you can kind of work or do school to the best of your abilities. So I just like to keep some reminders in plain sight. And I would really recommend you all try that this week. Love that. Incredible. Okay, so we hope you enjoyed this episode. We would love, love, love to hear your thoughts. And always. And yeah, I think if we could just finish off and say thank you for the outpouring of support for last week's episode. We were actually crying. So once, once again. Literally crying so many times. We were so... Yeah, so thankful to all of you that sent us messages and posted on your stories and listened to the episode. We are so grateful. So grateful. All right, we'll see you guys next week.